0: Learn more at marines.com.
2: What's going on, Jermaine Johnson? Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn on the Jets podcast. <laughs>
1: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Turn the Jets Podcast. I'm your host Will Parkinson at Will Paw on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode, it's a packed week on the TOJ Pod feed. As always, Brad Spielberger is about to hop on. Uh, hop on here. We'll talk a little bit Jets Broncos and start looking forward to this Jets Eagles matchup. Um, that is one that I'm actually really excited for. I know it's uh, maybe not the sexiest matchup with Jalen Hurts for Zach Wilson, but um, there's certainly some really and entertaining and you know impressive matchups uh, upcoming Sunday. Brad, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm. Uh, and you should be doing fantastic. Your Bears have looked have had a pulse for two weeks in a row, and they should win this week. Um, are playoffs? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
2: Yeah. All right. Really yeah, pump the brakes. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously love Justin Jefferson, never going to root for anyone to get hurt, but for him to miss his first game ever uh, against the bears, is, isn't the worst thing in the world. Uh, yeah. The offense is actually has a pulse,
1: like you said, uh, but we're here to talk with the jets obviously, but yeah, yeah so it's been of fun. course, no, of course it, uh, you know, it's again, it's one of those, we're getting to the point of the season. Now we're kind of starting to figure out who everybody is. The first four weeks is always a crap shooting in the present day NFL, obviously with preseason, everything like that, we're starting to kind of get into that time period, um, you know, where, Teams are starting to figure out who they are and who's legit, who's not. We obviously, you know, a couple days are now from Jets-Broncos. What were your biggest takeaways from that game? Because it kind of felt like the Jets were like a, played a C-plus game and still did win by double digits on the road.
2: Yeah, I think a couple things that are also going to feed into the Eagles matchup that we'll talk touch on a little bit here. But I think it was Jermaine Johnson's best overall game as a pro. Uh, he's had splash plays, but I do think there are games where – He has two to three splash snaps and then kind of isn't noticeable other snaps. He had five pressures at a sack, but I also thought was better against the run, setting the edge, doing a lot of the little, you know, details and nuances of his game. I mean, Bryce Huff now leads us in pressures on third and fourth down. Uh, He's seventh in total pressures, despite being 119th in pass rush snaps among all defenders. Uh, He's absurd. And then the offense, and this does tie into Philly for me, um, I think Tyler Conklin, like, Maybe he wasn't healthy if the second half of last year. Look, we agree he's not like a game-breaking dynamic player, but throwing him up the seam, attacking the middle of this Philadelphia defense at the second level, I think right now is how you beat them, um, and I think that needs to continue to be a focal point because the run game against Philly is, is not going to be there. You're not going to get Brees, you know, going for 177 realistically, probably uh, against Philadelphia. So a lot of good things we saw that I also think carry over into this matchup.
1: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I almost feel like it's the game plan offensively that they had against the chiefs. It's, it's right back to two weeks ago, where a lot of play action, a lot of getting Zach and some favorable matchups over the middle of the field, some two man routes that um, kind of max protect and things like that. I, I felt like they kind of got away from it because of the matchup against Denver. I know there was a lot of, Oh, it's run, run, pass. And there, you know um, there were some you know graphs that came out today, the jets I think are second or third in the NFL and run, run, pass on. Um, it's not surprising, but how impressive was Brees? I know, you know, there's a lot, the Eagles do really well, you know, against the run from a defensive line perspective. I don't think their linebacker is very good, but how impressive is Brees? Not even 12 months removed. Looks like an alien. I mean, he's, I think all time, the number one in yards per carry Um, continue like uh, after a certain amount of carries, I don't remember the exact number. And 7.2 yards a carry on 54 carries this year he's six in the nfl in rushing with half the amount of attempts devon hans the only other guy that's like even in this stratosphere of you know yards per carry Yeah, no, it it is remarkable. I think we often, when a guy does
2: this, we then lose sight of how often this is not the case. I mean, look at Javante Williams in Denver. Hasn't looked the same this year. I think his knee injury was a bit, you know, uglier than than Brees's. it wasn't as clean of a tear. But still, and it happens all the time. And Michael Gallup in Dallas, I don't know if we ever see the pre-ACL tear Michael Gallup. I'm not just kind of naming random players, but the point is, like, we need to appreciate what we're seeing from Brees. He's making players miss in space. I think we may have talked about this. When I was at training camp, He would cut a couple times and then he would come back to the the huddle and kind of like look at his knee or shake his knee out a little bit. And just like after a hard cut specifically, and now I think you are seeing that he trusts it. He doesn't have that, that kind of maybe hesitation to make a hard cut. And I still do think, You know, he's been chased down on a couple of these, you know, 80-yard carries. I think he's going to house them going forward. Like, I think it's only going to get better as well, where guys are not going to catch him if he gets ahead of steam. So, no, it does need to be appreciated for sure. As a receiver, he's been a factor. I was going to mention that as well. The Eagles are, I want to say they have allowed the fifth most receptions to running backs in the NFL. They tend to gang tackle and don't allow a lot of yards on those catches. But still, if you can get five yards on first down with with a running back, you know, pass, that's better than probably what you're going to get on a first down carry. But like you said, I also think that game plan against Denver, look, their run defense is like historically bad, like run, run, pass. Sure. No one likes it. Sure. It has some negative connotations in certain matchups is probably not the worst idea. And the last point you mentioned, what it can help establish Zach Wilson is 19 of 28 for 200 yards and two touchdowns on play action for us like that. No interceptions. Um, like he's been good off play action. So, you know, obviously you can do that without having a good run game. They shouldn't go away from it against Philly, even if the run game isn't working. But obviously it does help set up those concepts and, and clear, you know, clear lanes because these Philly linebackers crash. They, they they bite on play action. Zach Cunningham is, we 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 measure bite distance under expected. It's kind of this metric we have looking at the average, you know, how much play action pulls in certain linebackers. Zach Cunningham is literally the leader of the last like four years. Like he's a phenomenal run defender. But it, that's his game. Right. So. So anyway, that, that needs to continue to be a focal point in, in this matchup.
1: Yeah. Look, I, I tweeted. Uh, I know it doesn't mean anything. Right. Because it's two years ago. Zach Wilson's arguably best half football he's ever played in the NFL came against the Eagles. And that was a much worse Jets team. Um, he was 12 of 14 that first half, 108 yards, three touchdowns. Like and then he wasn't even really bad in the second half. He barely touched the football. And that was the Jets defense was the worst defense in the league. Again, that was the year, you know, that was the nine and eight Eagles that got boat raced in the, in the playoffs. I kind of wanted to ask you quickly about this defensive line because I think there's the two, there's two matchups specifically, or it's really three. I think that we're, this game is going to come down to. I think it's the Jets offensive line. I mean, the Jets defensive line versus the Eagles offensive line. Best offensive line in the league. I would say a top five defensive line in the league right now for the Jets. Um, maybe it's better, um, but you know, comfortably, let's say they're, you know, t- top one and top five unit, the Devonte Smith, AJ Brown versus Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Um, and then third, Darius Slaver Garrett Wilson. So like, what of those matchups most intrigues you and where do you think the biggest difference maker is in those, like, which one of those matchups is like, we look back on Monday and the Jets win or the Eagles win, like, which one are we probably talking about the most?
2: We're probably a broken record here, but there's a reason the Jets allocate the resources the way they do. It's the defensive line against the the Eagles uh, offensive line and Jalen Hurts in particular. So Jalen Hurts has a 51 uh, grade when pressured without a blitz, which is 20th in the NFL. The Jets are fifth in pressure rate without blitzing. So when you send an extra rusher, I think Jalen Hurts, the modern version, does a very good job. I think you actually could get after him early on in his career when you blitz, because I think he did hold on to the ball a little bit too long, maybe not pull the trigger on hot routes. And now, we, you know, he trusts Dallas Goddard and, and various different, you know, short route type players to just get the ball out quickly. So I don't think you want to blitz him a ton. But yeah, getting home without blitzing is, so far this season is how you've been able to manage Jalen Hurts that's gonna be the story of this game again.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. No one throws outside against the Jets like at all anymore. Um <laughs> and I would say that's Philly's biggest advantage. I know they run the football really well, and like I'm not sitting here telling you that like DeAndre Swift hasn't like played well. Again, anyone could run through those holes. So I'm not really sure I buy so much that DeAndre Swift is like is this like new running back. He's good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a like, McCaffrey Brees Hall level back. And I think the problem is, is that. I don't think Jalen Hurts has looked like particularly good at all. Um, I actually think your take of him not being a top five guy is aging. I don't think he was either. Um, He was trending towards that, but I don't think he's played at all like a top five guy. If anything, he's been a middle of the pack guy and kind of more than Jalen Hurts of two years ago. Um, What do you make of him so far? Because I know it was like you taught a lot of heat in the offseason of, you know, you went on different things and it was, oh, do your quarterback rankings and you had him like eight or nine or something, whatever it was. Yep. Which I think was totally fair. Um, why is he struggling? I mean, he's I think he's had Connor Rogers pointed out on bad lengths, he's had turnover where they throw in every in every game. I think he's four interceptions, could have six or seven. Um, and I, I know he's been banged up a little bit. It's the shoulder last week. He's an alien because the way his ankle rolled, the fact that he didn't even miss a single second is crazy. But like, what's kind of going on there? Is he is it a regression? Is it teams figuring out the Eagles? Is it the new OC? Like, what's going on?
2: I really do like Brian Johnson as a quarterback developer. This is a whole kind of tangent, but like everywhere the guy goes, he just develops quarterbacks into better players than they are. But I do think it's still early in his, you know, tenure as a play caller. He has been an offensive coordinator at the college level in the past, but it's his first time calling plays in the NFL. Uh, And one stat that jumps out to me is the Eagles are like 29th or 30th in converting first downs into a new series of downs. Um, you know, so they're, they're not really being aggressive on first down. They are pretty good in second and third down. Obviously they're a good offense. They're like eighth in EPA per play eighth in success rate. But, but I think they're not being as aggressive on early downs and they're getting into like some second and eight third and eight type situations as good as their run game is. It's not, you know, it's not working every single time. And I think that's, that's, that's the biggest issue that I've noticed from a, you know, high level game plan play calling, you know, type of, of, of Avenue, but also, yeah, look, Jalen hurts for me, it still is a top 10 quarterback, but I had him at ninth and I thought it was remarkably fine. And, and like not a slight in any way, shape or form it's top 10 in the NFL. I don't even know if I've noticed, like the injuries, I think is probably a good point, but it's weird too. They get down the red zone. They don't throw the football, like there's been a lot of weird kind of approaches they've had in certain aspects of the game. I mean, you saw Jason Kelsey freaking out on the sideline this past weekend. Look, it's what he does. Like he doesn't care they're five and zero. He could care less that they're five and zero. But it's just been clunky. Like I wish I had a better you know answer than that. Beyond the play, it's just it just doesn't look very smooth and rhythmic. And maybe that gets better over time. But just occasional misthrows or a guy runs a route and, and hurts clearly thought he was going to run a different route. Like little stuff like that has happened throughout the season for them.
1: Yeah, I also think Philly played an absurdly easy schedule last year. And like a lot – they're they're so good up front in the trenches on both sides of the ball, kind of like you can kind of sleepwalk and be sloppy through games knowing it comes down to it. They're going to get a third and one. They're going to pick up that. But in the red zone on offense and on defense, they've been horrible. Um, it's The Jets have not been good on offense, but on defense, they're I believe either the first or the second best team in the NFL and holding teams to three. That's a huge key on Sunday. The Eagles are going to move the ball. The Jets' defense is not built to give like limit you in yards. They're built to – between the 20s, you know, they can kind of give you a little space unless, you know, obviously you want to get after the quarterback, but they're not going to sit like – they kind of crunch down when it when it matters most. It seems like they did against Denver on Sunday as well. They got to hold Philly to three. They got to – you know, I know Philly's got a good kicker and everything like that. You know, MetLife's a disaster with wins sometimes. So who knows, but at the end of the day, like holding Philly to three and just buying yourself extra possessions is huge. The other thing is the Jets were 0-5 on Sunday in the red zone. Um, you go back and watch it. There's different reasons. The play calling I don't think was spectacular. Uh, I think that's fair. I think Zach Wilson missed two throws that – one was a throw that I – the throw to Garrett Wilson, which he you know kind of threw behind him if he leads him there. I don't know if it, it's a touchdown. It just felt like you gave him a chance. Um, and the one that, that's frustrating and I can assure you from asking the people that were involved in the play – Um, I didn't say it was the second read out of nowhere I can tell you for a fact without saying who said it multiple people told me that was the second read Zach you know had Conklin wide open in the red zone is that we're kind of the key I know it's the trenches I know we talk about that but it's the Jets holding the Eagles to three and then capitalizing for seven if they get the ball down in the red zone right. 100%. 100%. And and one thing which kind of ties into red zone, the Eagles are actually on
2: on defense, our 30th in third down conversion rate allowed this year. They've they've been, which again, it's not me saying get third manageable. You still need to attack this defense on early downs, but but I think those money downs and those obvious passing situations are going to be critical to get, like you said, to get seven instead of settling for field goals yourself. Um, And I really do like attacking the middle of the field to me. Look, I mean, Darius Slay and James Bradbury also very good players, but I think you can go at them. You know, they're older guys now I think you can pick your spots and go at them like as of today I would say Garrett Wilson has a slight mismatch over either of those guys because of how good he is but I really do think like attacking the middle of the field with Brees with Conklin occasional Uzama you know etc Lazard etc cetera, etc cetera, I think is ha- has to be a focal point I-, I know the video you're talking about where Conklin's just like screaming wide open yeah like you got to see it and, and it's going to be hard to see it because his pass rush is as good as anyone's in the NFL but but it has to be a like a clear message
1: throughout the week that you beat this defense over the middle. So obviously the Jets are not expected to win. Um, they're seven point dogs in their own building. The Eagles are five and zero. The Jets are obviously two and three. I guess kind of on both sides here. Before we wrap up, the Jets lose Sunday. Does it change your perspective on where they are going into the bye and going forward? And if they win Sunday, how much does it change the perspective? Is is this really how I keep calling it a house money game because I feel like the way the schedule opens up, like there's a good shot. You're five and four going into that Buffalo game. I guess if they win Sunday, the expectations ratchet up to like, you could be right back at six and three, just like you were going into Buffalo last year, Um, you know, in week 12. Like, I guess how important is this game? Cause it's one of those non-conference you're an underdog. Like you've already beaten the bills. You've, sh- you know, should have beaten the chiefs. You feel really good about that. You obviously laid an egg against Dallas. Like, are we looking at more of a Dallas game or where the KC bills game where it's like, Oh wait, the Jets are really good against good teams, and outside the Dallas game, they've looked really impressive against pretty much everyone other than New England.
2: I think it does matter that it's a close game. Like if they lose, but it's it's a Chiefs tight, maybe not happening in the same manner, but it's a it's a good game. And the big thing for me, speaking of that game. We talk about how this defense is kind of bend, don't break to a degree. They need to tackle in space and not allow yards after the catch and force missed tackles, which they did the first, you know, the beginning of the chiefs game, uh, one other game, I forget what it was. They, and then they kind of like righted the ship and figure things out. But, but that for me is the key is like, they're going to complete passes on you. But if you tackle them as soon as they get the football, I think this is going to be a competitive game because it's just been so hard to get explosives against this team. Um, And the Eagles also haven't really done incredibly well throwing the ball deep downfield either. So, yeah, they don't need to win, but I think it would kind of be a great – like, there's no such thing as moral victories and all that. We know that. But if you lose by one score against Philadelphia going into a bye week and and there's a lot of good there – I think it would still kind of, you know, build some confidence and and have them feel like, okay, we, we've we now competed with the best of the best in three or four different games. Who's to say we can't continue to do that and maybe swing some of these one-score results the other direction? Um, so, yeah, I think that matters from that perspective. And then – and also just how does Zach look against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL – He's not going to be – like, it's going to be hard. No quarterback has played well against them this year, really. Uh, but if he's competent, if he gets the ball out quickly, avoids sacks, avoids turnovers, like, it, it's going to be a, a good message going into this bye week.
1: I was going to say, the last thing to finish up here, and we'll talk more about it next week going into the deadline, what does Zach have to do Sunday to quiet the Kirk Cousins, which obviously is much more of a thing now, but i still not sure it's a thing. Uh, the Tana – like, all that, all that noise. What does he have to look like Sunday to kind of be like, you know what, if they're better off just rolling with Zach the next 12 games and, you know, you figure it out. You try to make the playoffs, and if it doesn't work, at least you didn't give up an asset for somebody.
2: Yeah, I think, frankly, the Jets are less inclined to do the Kirk Cousins type move than maybe Minnesota would be at this point. I think they really do kind of want to see this thing through uh, and see what they have and figure it out. It's also just like I, I do want more trades at the deadline. Random tangent. I think Carl Lawson will be on a new team in the next three weeks. But um trading a quarterback midseason, like we like people pretend like that's an easy thing to do. And a guy's gonna come in and lo- learn new verbiage and develop chemistry with an offense. Like, good luck with that. It- it's not an easy thing to do. But anyway, I really think he needs to not even but having a lot of positives, just for me, avoiding the negatives, like I talked about. Like, do not have a high pressure to sack rate, do not throw interceptions against this defense. Don't try to throw like throw bombs down. Like Reed Blankenship stands fifty yards away from the line of scrimmage and just wants to ball hawk and pick you off. Like don't buy into that and play into that because I think you can attack this defense right now. They've given up a lot of points to a lot of teams and, and yards as well. So yeah, long answer short, I care more about avoiding the negatives than I do seeing a bunch of positives from Zach Wilson in this game.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna pass on the uh, the reporter who asked James Franklin yesterday. Why don't you just throw it deep? Uh, sure, um, I'd love the Jets to take a shot deep but I would prefer it's not just throw it up. Cause, um, yeah, appreciate obviously You always hopping on. We're going to do a little bit more next week. We'll get into some of the, we'll recap this game, but we'll get into some of the deadline stuff. Carl Lawson, Nicole Harmon, um, a lot of, a lot of 2025 conditional day three picks incoming. Um, Jets will be stacked with 2025 six rounders, um, (laughs) by next week, but appreciate you obviously hopping on as always, make sure you guys are checking out Brad's work and, uh, We'll have Mike Renner coming up after this. Everyone enjoy the uh, the rest of your Wednesday. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPod11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Hope everyone enjoyed today's earlier episode with Brad Spielberger of PFF. We talked a little bit of uh, some Jets Broncos, looked forward a little bit to Jets Eagles, now joined by a good friend of the show. I think first time since you uh, started The Messenger, Mike uh, Mike Renner. Mike, how are we doing him, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, I took
0: like a hiatus. I w- I didn't want to do like any media all off season. I was I wanted to take like real time off. I did that. But now we're back. We're back talking some ball here.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, excited to have you back on. Um, obviously, I'm kind of starting to get in that pivotal stretch of the NFL season now, right? Where teams kind of are shaped into who they really are. Um, kind of figure, you know, injuries have hit everybody at this point. The AFC East is a bloodbath of, of star players that have gotten hurt at this point. I guess what's your takeaways? We'll touch on Rodgers in a second, just because obviously, diehard Packers fan and the whole thing. But what's been your kind of takeaway of the Jets' first five weeks here? Is like, are they, should they be happy at two and three? Like, should they feel, I don't know, like, where, I guess, where do you stand with what they've done so far? I
0: think all things considered, they probably should be happy at two and three because, I mean, after that week one and all week one, like, first drive, like, blow. Like they they were you can't you can't put like a mental price on it what happened to them the next few weeks right like like they went from expectations of Super Bowl now to like being lost like you 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 just you can't, you don't have you're not coming with the same the coaching staff's not coming with the same energy those next couple of weeks but then I think they've rebounded you played KC tough past week against Denver you look like a completely different team than you have uh, the rest of the season like and Zach Wilson's played some of the best stretches of football we've ever seen from his career. And so I think there's reason to think that the troops can rally, right? Like all you're hoping right now is you sneak it back in the playoffs and Rogers pulls a miracle out uh, his ass here. So uh, I think all things considered again for like the most crushing blow a franchise has been dealt since 08 Tom Brady week one. Like you have to think that you still having a shot here with kind of the rest of the AFC, not looking unbeatable. I think you have to be a little – you just have to be okay with it as a Jets fan.
1: Yeah, I think if they would have lost last week to Denver, I think we're having a different conversation. And then it's like, okay, now you're a few weeks removed. Zach Wilson beat Denver last year. Like, you should beat Denver this year. Um, Obviously, you talked about week one. Probably the coolest – I've talked about this a bunch. I've never seen an environment like that that I've personally been to in my lifetime going to Jets games. I've never seen anything like that. You're obviously a Packers fan, you know, obviously a Packers fan – a, were you like excited to see Rodgers, or were you kind of like, I hope this guy sucks this year? And B, he didn't really get hurt ever in Green Bay. And the couple times he did were freak injuries. Anthony Barr, cheap shot, and breaks his collarbone, a couple of concussions. Like he's never gotten hurt like this. And then he stands up. It was that was that not one of the weirdest things we have ever seen, at least in the last 15 years, as you mentioned, the NFL. It really was. I I, I was.
0: Truthfully, rooting for them. I, I was rooting for him to play the whole season as a Packers fan, as, at minimum, you know, or no, 75% of the season yeah. whatever the threshold was. But no, I, I had the number one in the Power Rankings heading of the year. I thought this team was an Aaron Rodgers away from really being able to kind of, I don't say steamroll the AFC because the AFC is nasty, but like to being able to be in every single game. And I mean, you saw it that week one, like they beat Buffalo without him. Like this is a team that's unbelievably talented, especially on the defensive side of the ball to where they should be in a game with every single team that they face. And now with a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who can elevate, uh, you know, a supporting cast that's, especially that wide receiver, probably top heavy, you know, after Garrett Wilson, you're, you don't have a lot of difference makers in that receiving core at the moment, but like, that's fine. Rodgers did that three years ago with Devontae Adams. That would have turned into, you know, one of the best offenses in the NFL. So I didn't think it was that big a deal. Now, up to Zach Wilson's a different animal. You're going to have to be a run heavier team, but yeah, I I, I do think that that week one again was just like is such an unbelievable blow to a franchise, and I and I'm sad for Aaron Rodgers because I wanted him to do well. I wanted him to look good because I think he's got a lot of unfair hate for a lot of his off field stuff, uh, and people are thinking he's doubting him of his on field. When I don't think that's ever been the case. I think even this last even last year with the Packers, I think I don't think a lot of it was his fault. Uh, a lot of the shortcomings offensively, as we're kind of seeing now with the Packers offense this year.
1: I was just going to say, I know I saw a lot of, a lot of the Packers dialogue all off season it was like, Oh, Jordan love. If he's just like, just as good as Rogers last year. I was like, it's not like he was bad. Like he was fine last year. He was not, you know, the reigning two-time MVP. I want to kind of ask you about a guy that draft wise was Embree hall was he's a running back. We've seen him in the NFL is kind of gone with running backs. It's kind of feeling like this year, the really good backs, like, Brees Hall or whatever like Jonathan Taylor did get paid after all that Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs not as much it's a little bit of a different situation because both franchises are kind of a disaster right now um are you surprised at all I guess that Brees Hall came back this efficient and like the fact that I I know he's only played whatever 11 NFL games at this point but I think he's yards per carry the like all-time leader in an x amount of snaps that's played like he's done some really insane stuff for a guy that running backs don't matter but when he plays, the Jets are just a way better football team.
0: Yeah, I I think the explosive element is what he has that you know, the other guys in the roster just don't at the moment. Like he, he can get in the open field and then he's gone. And I I thought that class, him and Kenneth Walker coming out, I was like, Man, why aren't they getting first round hype? These guys are as good and I think as we've seen in the NFL, if not better, than the class before that had Etienne Najee both going on in the first round. Like these guys are not only, you know shifty and can break tackles, but they got home run speed, man. I mean, four, three, what he ate, eight throw for nine? One of those two coming out Brees hall ran like they, they can fly in the open field. So uh, yeah, he, he was that pick got some hate uh, from some analytics focused people coming out. I was not one of them. I thought he was the guy who was definitely different at the position for a team that, you know, at the time still does truthfully outside of their office. They don't have a lot of holes. So uh, I didn't think it was a luxury pick by any means.
1: Yeah, no. Definitely uh, glad they did not take Malik Willis. Um, as as we've seen. Um, but yeah, no, in terms of, you know, kind of looking forward here, Jets match up with the Eagles, you know, this week and you know, they have some lighter games coming up on the schedule, you know, Giants, Chargers, Raiders, they have the Chargers at home, which we know a Brandon Staley team traveling cross country in prime time is due for a couple of horrible fourth down decisions and um and some weird defense, but it feels like this is a house money game. I know it's hard to say house money game at two and three, but the Eagles are five and zero. Oh, haven't looked great. Um, I guess. What do you make of what you've seen from the Eagles so far and how these two teams match up? Because in in, high, in like theory, uh, the Eagles should run through this game, but I don't know if I necessarily see that as being the case. Yeah, I mean, so so I'll say about the Eagles, their their O line and their D line
0: are still. I mean, it's still the best O line in the NFL. D-lines like in competition for the best D-line, but like it's top three at worst. So like, and that shows, and why like you build through the O-line D-lines because that shows up every single game, right? They, they haven't had a game where it's like, Oh wow, where's their D-line? This? It's like, no, it's going to happen. Like you're not going to get a lot of pressure on them unless you blitz. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to hold up consistently in pass pro unless you're keeping extra men in to block. Like it's just fact of life that you're going to have to deal with every time you play the Eagles. So I don't think we've seen the best of Jalen Hurts. I don't think we've seen the best of guys like Devontae Smith. I think there are vulnerabilities on this Eagles defense that you can attack, but you're going to have to get around those two things. And so that's why the Eagles still five and zero. Still, I think they've covered more games than they haven't at this point. Still, like they're they're still for as, like this point as Eagles fans are, they're still the a top three team in the NFL. So it's going to be tough. You're going to need explosive plays. You're going to need big plays. You're going to need Zach Wilson to to do something. You can't rely just on the running game to beat this Eagles team. So uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there though. It, it is just the game. If you're going up in this one as a Jets fan, like you're not expecting in a million years to win. So uh, anything looking good at all
1: uh, will be, you know, an encouraging sign going forward. I know we obviously talked a little bit about Zach Wilson. Were you, how shocked were you that Sunday night game? You turn on the game. Zach's been arguably the worst quarterback in, one of the worst quarterbacks in NFL history through 25 starts. Like every advanced number, it doesn't matter what you look at. The stats were terrible. The film was bad as well. Then he goes up and just like that was that two quarter drive. What gets GM's like extensions or fired. Like, I feel like that was like a microcosm of the NFL in a nutshell of like Zach Wilson, five for five, 80 yards touchdown against the chiefs. And it's like, Oh my God, see, that's what we, that's why we took a number two overall.
0: And it was like, that is why like those throws were nasty and, uh you need aaron Rodgers on the sideline more this year is i think the, the answer to that he's trying to impress big bro out there like it's he has that to his game now he also has the the low end to his game and the boneheaded plays to his game but like man like just just let him tell him to let it freaking rip man you'd rather go down swinging than go down playing the way he has early on in his career where it's so hesitant not willing to push the ball on the football field. Like there's opportunities, take chances. Like we'd rather, rather go down losing that way. So I I think that's just has to, that's good because it gives him the confidence. He's seen it now. He knows that I can do that at the NFL level. Now just do it consistently. That's going to be hard. These are said and done, but man, like at at least like, at least if you're a Jets fan, you kind of can like exhale and be like, well, it wasn't completely again. Like it would, there there was still some of that in it he just maybe wasn't mentally you know didn't have it to do that consistently
1: yeah I want to ask you about a couple of guys that the Jets have that are either guys you know a couple years in now they're either coming up on extensions or in year two year three one guy I want to ask you about Michael Carter second cornerback out of Duke you know he's a guy that I would extend in the offseason he's been really good like I want to ask you about him and you know, and Garrett Wilson, I know very different players, very different draft slots, but both guys, like, at their respective positions, I feel like in very different levels, the guys that, like, had some questions, like Garrett Wilson was a lot of, like, his footwork coming out, it was like, did he do too much, or, you know, was he in, in and out of breaks, like, he was so kind of, like, shifty that it was like, dude, slow it down, and then Michael is a guy that, I don't know, like, he's one of the five or six best slot corners in everything you look at, separation allowed, tackling, all that stuff, for a fifth-round pick, like, did you expect this when you saw him come out of Duke? Like, I, I don't know if anybody really did.
0: I did not. And, and slot's, like, to me, one of the harder positions to project because not a lot of guys – like, not a lot of guys play slot at the collegiate level. And, and so, like, a lot of times you're projecting outside corners to the slot, and, and it's not the same. When you don't have to worry about the vertical element, you play the game differently. And it's a lot more – you know, tackling's a lot more important. Physicality's is a lot more important. So, uh, I'm of the opinion that it is – you know depending on your scheme it's it's at least as valuable as a linebacker you know maybe it's not as important as a pure outside corner but especially with nickel being base defense today how the teams are playing in pass coverage that's as valuable a position as a linebacker and so I, I don't think it's one where you just say you know we'll plug and play someone else we, we can find another guy in the, in the draft in the fifth round and it's like yeah they do get depressed a little bit in the draft in terms of their value i think we saw that brian branch this year falling into the second like one of the best lock corners already in the NFL, but it's not one where I would just skimp by and say, we're going to be good there uh, with someone in the draft. You can find another Michael Carter. I'm not sure if you can. And Garrett Wilson, he was always just like so unbelievably talented, but it kind of just like inconsistent at the collegiate level, like a little um when it came to, you know, dealing with bigger corners. And I just turned it on. And it's why you draft guys who were, uh, why you draft talent, you know, why you draft guys who showed it early on in their careers uh, like he did at Ohio state. And then obviously like throughout his career at Ohio state, but like why you draft the innate physical ability and pray that he'll put it all together. Kind of like a, like a Brandon and you too. Know, like the, the guys who just like have all of it, it's maybe just not there consistently. You bet on those guys figuring it out because the high end's so high and his high end right now is, you know, top 10 receiver in the NFL.
1: Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It's, he's a guy that, like, just, like, had freaky, weird athletic ability that's, like, you just put it together. Um, he did put it together in college. It's not like he was, like, an unfinished product. It's just, like, sharpening up and refining some of those things in the route running and stuff like that. You know, we've seen a big success. Last guy I want to ask you about, you mentioned, you know, linebacker. Quincy Williams has played, like, a top four or five linebacker through five weeks. I transparently always thought really high upside. It's really fun to watch play football the issue is every good game was followed by a game where it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that's what it just felt like. Now it's like 90% of the time it's like really good. And he's a an athletic freak and he hits like a missile. So like, are you, I mean, I remember Connor Rogers saying when he got, it came out, it was like, dude, I don't know what they're doing, picking this guy in the third round. Now looking at it, him at 6 million, half million dollars a year, is like a steal. It's, it's true though.
0: Like what were they doing? Because like, it's a position – I mean, it's kind of like quarterback where, yeah, like you – gosh, what am I trying to say here? And that it's the it's quarterback, the defense, in that like it's such a mentally process-dominant position. Like you need to be able to play fast to play the position well. Even if you are a freak athlete, if you're playing the game slowly, you, you're going to get exposed. And shit, in Jacksonville, you got absolutely exposed. You got – you know, he <laughs> was on the team for two years. Uh, so like that was a bad pick. But in retro, like, but once a guy kind of figures sort of the processing element, once he sees the game at the level he's supposed to see the game, which obviously is this year, more Quincy Williams, that's when the light switch turns on. It's guys like you know Devondre Campbell, not too dissimilar. Even like a Demario Davis wasn't too dissimilar from early on in his career than to well, his last couple of years of the Jets, then obviously going to New Orleans, where he's been one of the best linebackers in the NFL. It's just like sometimes it takes a while. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, not a lot of teams have that time. That's why you don't want to be starting a ton of rookies and second year guys at linebacker because not a lot of teams have that time to afford. But man, uh, you're not wrong about saying he's a top five linebacker in the FL because that guy is everywhere on the field for them now.
1: I can't believe you brought Demario Davis in a Jets podcast. That's a, that's a touchy subject. He we, <laughs> they let him go twice. Um, no, I want to ask you quickly before we kind of before we kind of wrap up here. Obviously, the Jets are not going to be in this quarterback, you know, discussion you know, we'll talk about USC Notre Dame, you know, quickly in a second, but there's the Drake Mays and you years, obviously Caleb, you know, Michael Penix, um, you know, on and on Bo Nixon, uh, Bo Nixon of the world. We asked, we talked, we'll talk about this obviously when draft time comes around, but through five weeks, have you been in like, has it lived up? Has this class lived up to the hype for you through five weeks of tape or, or six weeks, I guess, whatever, six, seven, because college football is the most annoying week zero and week negative one. Um, <laughs> Or has it kind of been like, we hyped this up all summer. They've been good, but they haven't quite been as good as I was you kind know, of expecting to watch on tape.
0: Well, so I was of the opinion that coming in this year, like there was two guys I would draft in the first round and then that was like it. So it was Drake, May, Caleb Williams. To me, they both lived up to the hype so far. Like they're one, two in this draft. I, I don't see anyone like unseating them at this point. It would be a real surprise for me for anyone to have to do that by year end. But after that, I was like, you know, ton of guys, ton of names. No one I feel good about putting in that first round conversation yet. That, to me, I think has changed, like, with the way a number of these guys are playing. And not even, didn't even mention, like, Shador Sanders, who, I don't know to say came out of nowhere, but, like, you saw it against the FCS, but didn't see it against the FBS. Like, everyone was thinking, like, you know, we'll see when he does make it there. And he's put himself in that conversation as well. So, I, I think you may not have, like, you know, it may not be, like, six first rounders. But I think you end up with somewhere around four or five, but then like six or seven more guys on day two, which that, that's that's the interesting thing about this class compared to others is that there's so much top hundred type of talent quarterback position. Guys, you'll take a flyer on like, a, you know, like Will Levis from years past, like Desmond Ritter's of whatever, where it's just like, I mean, they're really good. Maybe they have a little issues, but like there's so many of them this year that I, I do think they've lived up to the hype. Like there's not a lot of guys who I saw from their tape last year who I think are playing worse and have fallen off and are putting themselves out of that conversation. Kind of everyone's like, like the JJ's, the McCarthy's of the world, the Quinn Ewers of the world, the Shooter Sanders is they're kind of like putting their names back into this conversation that I didn't quite expect to get there just yet.
1: Yeah. Last two, kind of two things here. One is half jokingly, but like is Alex Grinch like the worst defensive coordinator in FBS history and B I guess going into this USC Notre Dame game, obviously where I was a USC fan, like obviously with Notre Dame, I guess I'm trying to, how can I phrase this properly? Like how big of a game is this for both schools? Just because USC, it feels like the last two weeks has had some amazing things and they've done some other things that make you really concerned. And Notre Dame's lost two games that this year that like they could easily be six and O in a top five team right now. If you know, things roll the other way um, in a few of these games.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's you. It really is massive for both because, like the Marcus Freeman era, Notre Dame to have three losses this early on in the season with so much promise, like that you start getting, you know, start losing recruits. You could start seeing a downward spiral for a program that they can't really afford right now. For USC, I don't want to say it's you know championship or bust, but it's at least playoff or bust with this team, right? You got Caleb Williams, you got the best collegiate quarterback could be a back-to-back Heisman winner, like maybe in recent college football history. And if you don't make a single playoff with him in the pac 12, like what are we doing here? Like, and like you made the playoffs with uh, every Oklahoma quarterback under the sun, you know, and you can't do it with Caleb Williams. So I do think it's massive because again, if you don't, if you don't be Notre Dame the pac 12 is going to be a dogfight from here on out for you, especially when you go to OT with Arizona. So I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to speak to Alex Grinch. I can't. I don't want to bad mouth any coaches, but I'll say they they could be schemed better than they are and have more talent than should be allowing forty plus points here or so.
1: so running Tampa two in the red zone on every single play was would not be your strategy. Um, yeah, USC after Notre Dame has Utah, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA before even getting to a Pac twelve title game theoretically. So um, last kind of question here: What do you if you had, if you were a betting man? I guess I shouldn't phrase it if you were a betting man. Two questions. One, what are the odds that Rodgers actually is being serious about like the fact that he has a chance to come back? I know he's not just saying that, but he is. I'm, I love Rodgers. He is in the best way possible, a little bit of a narcissist. So like uh, I, I kind of see him kind of making it a little bit of like, don't forget about me. Like I'm still here. Um, and is, I guess, is there a chance he actually comes back and be, is there a chance it's going to matter? Like do the Jets have a chance really to get back in this playoff picture by the time this is even a relevant conversation.
0: I'll say it would not surprise me one bit if he came back and played, you know, maybe he has no real functioning Achilles in that foot, but like, and still plays like he, he's not a guy you say what you want about him. The guy hates losing the guy's a competitor. The guy is going to do whatever it takes, not just, you know, for his team to win, but for him to look as good as possible too. like the guys, the guys, like you said, narcissist in the best way. Like he has chips on his shoulder for people doubting him, not necessarily people doubting his like teams that he's on. So, I think there's chance now, will they get to the playoffs? Will they give them that chance? Will it TBD? I, I'd be surprised the AFC is still for as good as, you know, I think the Jets can be even without them. Um, there's still so many good teams. It's it's still so deep in that conference. So it's going to be tough. But if they make the playoffs, I, I would say better chance than not. Rodgers is trying to suit up. How will they let him? TBD. But, like, he he's, he's going to suit up. He's going to attempt to suit up for the playoff game.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see him run out of uh, run out of the tunnel one more time. Another American flag. Hopefully, maybe change up the song. Vinny Vinny Testaverde maybe doesn't do the coin toss. Love Vinny, but um, I'm gonna pass on uh, pass on the guy who the last time the Jets had this much Super Bowl hype rear-up his Achilles in the first quarter as well. Um, obviously, appreciate you appreciate you hopping on. Make sure you guys are checking out Mike's work at at the Messenger. Um, obviously, follow him on Twitter. Um, he'll be at uh, be at USC Notre Dame. he has got a bunch of good stuff on prospects so as that stuff gets uh down the line here uh, make sure you guys are tuned into that but appreciate everybody for listening alan Han on tomorrow um and we'll have a, a bunch more in the feed uh, later this week